All right, hope you guys are doing well tonight. Good to see you. Um, uh, you probably notice we don't have our college students with us tonight, so I think most of the students that we have are off at their planning retreat this weekend. So, you guys, we can remember them in our prayers this weekend. So, we're actually wrapping up tonight our summer series called Alamo Stone at the Movies, and I'm going to talk a little bit about a movie called Forrest Gump. Have you seen it? You just saw it the other night. All right. Anyone not seen it? Let me do that. Who's not seen for us? Oh, good. So you guys, you guys will know. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's amazing if you think back. Cause it's probably been a while. I think the movie came out in the early '90s. Um, Forrest Gump is just this very simple guy who grew up in Alabama, but he went on to have these just amazing life experiences. Um, I don't know if you remember, but early in the movie. Uh, he was born with some uh, like defect in his legs. So he had to wear braces on both legs, and so he kind of had to walk with stiff legs. And the mom, uh, you know, living in the South, you're hospitable, right? So they would constantly have you know travelers, visitors come in and spend a night or two as they were traveling through. And and so one night, wouldn't you know, they are actually hosting Elvis Presley, but they don't know who he is at the time. And so Elvis is playing "You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog" on his guitar in the room and sing, and and Forrest starts dancing with his braces on and so the next night on TV they see Elvis Presley singing he's dancing like Forrest Gump so he he taught Elvis how to dance as a boy when he grew older he went to college at the University of Alabama where he was an all-america kick returner he got to meet uh, President John F Kennedy that scene where he drank all the Dr Pepper remember that um, he started later in life just this ridiculously successful shrimping company uh, called Bubba Gump. And eventually he would get to marry his childhood sweetheart. What was her name? Jenny. Yeah. <clears throat> so he did some pretty amazing things. But if you also think back through the movie, he also had just these moments of, of just heartache and, and heartbreak. And so... You might recall he was just constantly being belittled and bullied because he was slow, like mentally slow. Uh, off in war in Vietnam, he, his best friend Bubba died in his arms. He lost his mother to cancer. And even though he did get to marry his childhood sweetheart, Jenny, the woman he pursued his whole life, um, when they got married, she actually had a virus, had contracted a virus, which I don't know if it's meant to be, but I just sort of assume it was AIDS because of all the things she had gotten into. And, and then she died because of that. So it wasn't like they got to enjoy this, you know, lengthy, healthy marriage. <clears throat> so you may have never, you know, shook the president's hand or uh, started a multi-billion dollar company. But the truth is you've probably had some great highs in your life, just things that just, when you think back, you know, like just make you happy. Um, but you also have probably some moments that were just heartbreaking and disappointing. And even now, no matter how long ago it was, like if you think back to those, a particular moment, like you probably still might even feel that pain. Because that's what life is, right? It's just a series of experiences. Some are just ordinary experiences that don't really impact us emotionally. But some are really like just joyful and amazing, and some are just incredibly painful and deeply crushing. 
And so Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes, he talks about these vast experiences in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. So if you have your Bible, turn there with me. And as you're turning, I'm going to just share a little bit. God has really been speaking to me in this text over the past few weeks. Um, you guys know our daughter is battling depression. She's been struggling with that for a couple of years. And, and I'll just tell you, you know, she's not here tonight. She's in Colorado. The past few weeks have been really rough. Like she's, she just hit this low spot and, and just was in that for some time. And so, man, that's hard you know, it's a battle for her. It's a battle for us. Um, and God has really used Ecclesiastes 3 to just to speak to me. Um, as I sort of, you know, kind of walk through this difficult time and um, process it emotionally and spiritually and mentally. Um, so I'm grateful that we get to, you know, look at Ecclesiastes 3, first 13 verses anyway, um, tonight. And, and I... I'm grateful to get to speak to you, not just from the word, but from my heart as well. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this evening to come together and worship, Lord. And just thank you, God, for the truth of your word. God, you are sovereign over all things. And like Jody said, you are a good, good father. And when we face these times of trouble and heartache and pain, sometimes we might question that, God. So I just pray you give us the strength, the faith. To not challenge your character, Father, but to take comfort in it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So Ecclesiastes uh, was written by Solomon, uh, son of David. He was the richest and wisest man who has ever lived. But he made just some really bad mistakes in life, including turning away from God and pursuing after other gods. And as an old man, he looks back on his life and he writes about his experiences in Ecclesiastes. And, you know, I've, I've told you all in the past... My favorite book in the Bible is just the hard truth of what life here on earth is like. Um, and so in the first two chapters, Solomon reaches a conclusion. It only takes him like two chapters. And he says basically that life on earth is utterly meaningless if lived apart from God. Life apart from God is like chasing after the wind. Vanity of vanities. It's just, it's meaningless. You're just running in circles. And so that brings us to chapter 3, um, where he's just going to kind of continue this thought of how life is so hard and it's meaningless apart from God. So we're going to do something a little different tonight. Um, if you have your Bibles and you look at them, you might notice verses 2 through 8 are formatted probably a little differently than the rest of the chapter. Maybe they're indented a little bit more, or they might be in italics. Right, And so there's a reason for that, because verses 2 through 8, it's actually like a little poem that Solomon wrote and included in this, in this chapter. In fact, if you're my age or older, as we read those verses, you might go, hey, that sounds a little familiar. Oh, yeah, there's this song, right? Donnie, you nod your head. You know that song, Donnie? Sing, can you sing it for us? No? <laughs> I won't sing it, but I'll give you three words and you give me the next three. For every season. Trace, you can sing. Sing it for us. <clears throat> oh, is everything there? There you go. Thank you. Everyone get Trace again. 
Here's what's really awesome. If you listen to that song, um, this, the writer or the singer actually sings these verses exactly as they're written. It's actually the song was written by Solomon. And so when we get <clears throat> to verses 2 through 8, we're going to do something a little different tonight. I'm going to have them up on the, on the screen. And what you're going to see in verses 2 through 8, there's, there's 14 sort of contrasting events in life, 14 pairs. So I'm going to read the first half of each one, and you're going to respond back to me with the second half of each one. So just to make it easy for you, whatever is in white print on the screen, I'll read, and whatever is in red print, you read back to me. And we'll just and once we get through verse 8, I'm just going to keep on reading. You don't have to respond back to me when we get to verse 9. Is that cool? So we'll try it, and we'll see how it gets. Here we go. Verse 1. <clears throat> there is an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth. And a time to die. A time to plant. A time to kill. And a time to heal. A time to tear down. And a time to build up. A time to weep. And a time to laugh. A time to mourn. And a time to dance. A time to throw stones. And a time to gather stones. A time to embrace. And a time to shun embracing. A time to search. And a time to give up as lost. A time to keep. And a time to throw away. A time to tear apart. A time to sew together. A time to be silent. A time to speak. A time to love. A time to hate. A time for war. A time for peace. And before I start reading, can someone check the PowerPoint? Because it's advancing on its own after a certain time. That would be awesome. Thank you. You guys did great. We're going to pick up verse 9. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I've seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor, it is the gift of God. Um, so it's interesting if you go back to verse 1 let's start let's start there right so Solomon says there is an appointed time for what everything if you like to write in your Bibles I encourage you to do so underline that word everything and then he says and there's a time for every event under heaven under heaven is a phrase that Solomon uses throughout uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, and he's simply referring to like the earth, the world that we live and walk in and exist in. In other words, the fallen world, the broken world. In fact, first two chapters and even three and all, like he, you just get this sense of just the injustice that we have to live in and, and that exists around us. And so everything that happens, according to Solomon, happens at an appointed time and so then in verse 2 is where he starts those 14 pairs right and, and we read the first one together a time to give birth and a time to die we all have something in common we've all been born and we're all going to die and so the remaining 13 pairs are these contrasting events in life that fit between that first pair from the time we're born 
until the time we die. We're going to go through these experiences in life. Some that will bring us great joy and some that will just knock us to our knees. In fact, just look at verse 4. Verse 4 kind of captures kind of the, the emotional impact of experiences in life. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. So some of the things that we read, some of those phrases, like if you just kind of look at it and let them sink in, like they'll just bring a smile to your face. They'll make you feel good inside. Things like this, a time to heal, a time to dance, a time to embrace, a time to love, and a time for peace. But then there's that other extreme of emotion that some of these things might trigger in. It's confusion, anger, um, sorrow, pain, a time to kill, a time to tear down, a time to mourn, a time to give up as lost, a time to hate, and a time for war. Like, as, as you hear those, does your heart just feel different than when, when I was reading the time to dance and the time to laugh? Because mine does. It just brings this different emotion kind of, you know, up to the surface. So, I don't know where you are tonight, but are you feeling one of those emotions or the other extreme? Or maybe you've got different things going on in life, and so you feel some combination of those emotions and, and maybe, you know, everything in between. So maybe man work is going really great and you're getting recognized and honored and, and all that good stuff, but then you come home to a marriage that like is just miserable. And you wonder if it's gonna survive. What I want to do tonight is really just kind of focus on the hard things in life. And you know, sometimes it's not even a single event, but it's just this we can just go through this season of life that can be difficult. And here's what I've noticed, at least for me, like when those seasons hit me, I tend to have a lot of questions. I mean like really hard life questions. And I find myself to be just totally transparent with you. In one of those seasons right now in life, I just celebrated my 49th birthday 10 days ago. Nine days ago, can't even count anymore. And so I told Paul the other day, I said, honey, think about this. One year from now, I will be a half century old. A half, I will have lived a half century. And can I tell you, my body is feeling the effects of my age. Because it's my birthday, I, I went to the doctor for my annual checkup. Actually, I went yesterday. And I walked out the office with a prescription for arthritis medication. Yeah, I did. And, and you know, about a, a, it was about a month ago, at least a month ago, I was walking, there was a, I was outside, there was a trash can over there, and there's a sidewalk that I just had to cross in order to get to the trash can. I had trash in my hand. What I didn't see was that the sidewalk was uneven, right in front of the trash can. And so I'm walking over like this, and I just went, 
except that noise didn't happen. <laughs> but here's the other thing. I didn't bounce up that quickly either. I was, an, like, I was on my hands and knees for a good while. Like my ankle was just in agony. And I'm down on my hands and knees and I'm thinking things as I'm groaning out loud in pain. I'm thinking things like, oh, wow, Wes, that was really unfortunate that you took that spill. Yeah, yeah, sure. Those were not the thoughts in my head. Thank you, Rudy, for calling me out. Yeah. I won't say what they were, but a bunch of exclamation marks at the end of all the phrases that are going through my mind. And then this is the thought that hit me as I'm down on all fours, just grimacing and looking down at the concrete. How did I get here? Like, I don't mean on the sidewalk. I know how I got on the sidewalk. <laughs> but how did I get to this place in life where a little uneven pavement knocks me to the ground? Because when I was younger, that wouldn't happen. I'd have done that number, oh, you know. Or I, if I thought, I'd bounce right back up just like I did just now. And so I'm looking down at the concrete close up going, am I to the point in life where I have to look down at every step I take just so I don't hurt myself seriously? I've shared this before, and it's even happened tonight. I'm at the age where I look at these words and I'm like, because I'm looking at, I was looking at y'all. I look down, I can't, if I had to read right at this very second, I couldn't do it. The words are blurry. Now you might go, Wes, don't you have reading glasses? I got like five pair of reading glasses. I need them all over the house because I forget where I put them. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you to solve my problem. I, like this is where I'm at in life. I'm feeling my 49 years of age. You know what I'm saying? And I, I emailed this <clears throat> a few weeks back. Late June, I went to North Carolina. I got to see my mom. Hadn't seen her in two years. It was the summer of 2016. But in between those, that time I saw her in 2016 and the time I saw her in June, she had a stroke. She had a stroke a year and a half ago. And she looks so different now. Her left foot, she can't lift it up that high. And her left hand, she can't squeeze real tight. So a lot of times she walks and she kind of has her hand up and she's just kind of shuffling around the house. And she naps for a couple hours every afternoon. Now I want you to keep this in mind. Two years ago when I saw her, she could have retired years before that, but she didn't want to because she was working six days a week. I remember talking to her like, Mom, why don't you just retire and relax? And you know what she said to me? What would I do? Like, this was a hard-working woman, and you, we couldn't get her to sit down and just relax. So to go see her, and the other thing, man, she looks like she shrunk. You know, when people get older, they look like they, like that's, like that has just been on my heart. And so I just, and, and I started asking all these questions because here's the deal. My stepdad, he uh, was diagnosed with lung cancer in 2009, had a lung removed. Well, he looked like pretty strong and healthy. So the first time that I could ever remember, I see my mom and my stepdad, and I, and I think, wow, my stepdad looks stronger and healthier than my mom. 
And I'm telling you, if you're not there yet, you might get there. And this is the thought I had. Like, what if, what if she goes first? I've never really thought about that. Like, not seriously thought about it. My mom's Okinawan. I don't know if y'all know this, but they have the longest lifespan of anyone on the planet. Now, I don't know if that applies to her because she came to the States when she was 16. I haven't done the research. Someone could do it for me. I can't, if I found, I wouldn't be able to read it because I can't see. God may bless her with another 20 years or not. But I've been thinking, like, is it time for us to uproot what has been planted here in San Antonio and go back home? We've been here 10 years. Our son's 13, our daughter's 17. Like our parents have missed their grandkids' childhood. And then you know, Gabby's been battling depression for three years. Next month will mark one year since she attempted to take her own life. And it's, it's a daily battle. And we all can, like, it's not just her battle, it's, it's our family's battle, and it's, and it's our church family's battle. Like, y'all been there with us. <clears throat> and I ask myself, <clears throat> like, will there be a time of healing for her? And in a couple weeks, she starts her senior year of high school. So the reality that in a year she could be moving out is very real to me. So I look at my daughter, and there will be a time to let her go. I look at my life and my, you know, I'm getting older. And look, I'm, for the most part, for a 49-year-old, I think I'm in pretty good health. But I'm feeling the effects of those 49 years. I look at my parents and their own mortality is heavy on me. And all of those things just combined and wrapped all up in this season of life just lead to all kinds of thoughts and questions in my mind. And I think as part of it is, like, this is not really something I planned for or expected. When, you, when you're younger and you think, well, what's my life going to be like when I'm almost 50. Oh man, you know, it's going to be great. Kids will be growing up and they'll be happy and my parents, they'll be enjoying retirement. Like you don't think, at least I didn't think of these things kind of playing out the way that they have. And, and look, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to claim. I know I'm a blessed man. Like I know. But here's the real truth, church. Sometimes Life can be really hard and it hurts. And we can find ourselves thinking, this isn't really thought how I thought life was going to turn out. This wasn't what I was planning on. This is not the career I thought I would have. You ever have those thoughts kind of run through your mind? When the movie Forrest Gump there's a character who knows 
that feeling of, I didn't, like, this is not the life I planned. He, he has, he knows that all too well. Because here's the deal. The movie is about a guy named Forrest Gump, obviously. That's the title of the movie. But running parallel is the secondary story of a guy named Lieutenant Dan. What do y'all remember about Lieutenant Dan? Lost his leg. Rudy? Oh, double amputee. Yep. Anything else? He wasn't happy about where he was. He was not happy about where he was. Yes. Eventually he got new legs. Eventually he got prosthetic legs. Is that the right word? Yeah, prosthetics. Yes. Absolutely. And so here's the deal. If you remember in the movie, he has this, like through his family history, he has a long family history of men being killed in battle. And that's what his, his plan is. He's going to die in battle. And so they're in Vietnam. He's, he's the uh, platoon leader for Forrest, the group that Forrest is in. And Forrest, he ran to safety. Then he realizes he's the only one, and all his uh, uh, fellow soldiers are back. So he runs back, and he picks up Lieutenant Dan. And Lieutenant Dan orders him, put me down. He's put me down. I can't even say all the words he was saying, right? Yeah. And he, and Forrest saves his life. And as you said, he, but he loses both legs. And so the scene we're going to watch here, it's a powerful, powerful scene. They're back in the States. They're both actually in the hospital, in the military hospital, because Forrest got shot in the buttocks. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan lost both his legs. And I want you to listen to what Lieutenant Dan has to say. Oh, let's, can we back that up a little bit? Nothing just happens, it's all... It's all part of a plan. I should have died out there with my men, but now I'm nothing but a simple, a legless freak. Look, look, look at me. See that? Do you know what it's like not to be able to use your legs? Yes, sir, I do. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? You cheated me! I had a destiny. I was supposed to die in the field with honor. That was my destiny, and you cheated me out of it. Do you understand what I'm saying, Gump? This wasn't supposed to happen. Not to me. I had a destiny. I was Lieutenant Dan Taylor. You still Lieutenant Dan.
what am I gonna do now? What am I gonna do now? so good we'll watch it twice yeah so if you're paying attention right to some of the things lieutenant dan says and i've got some of it on the on the screen like when life just hits you right in the gut and you just doubled over you have all these thoughts and emotions and and questions that run through your mind it's ironic isn't that lieutenant dan he's mad because he's alive He's mad because Forrest Gump saved his life. But he's mad because he thought he had a destiny to die on the field with honor. And while there's not a question in it, look at that. Look at what he says. This wasn't supposed to happen, not to me. There's questions wrapped in that statement. How'd I end up here? What am I supposed to do now? God, why would you allow this to happen? In fact, that secondary, secondary plot line of, of Lieutenant Dan's story, kind of running parallel, sometimes crossing with Forrest Gump's story, it's actually it's Lieutenant Dan's story of wrestling in his anger with God. And that's what happens when we get knocked down in life, like we just... We start to ask questions about God. We start to ask questions to God. God, like, what are you doing? Why would you allow this to happen? Is there some purpose, God, in my suffering? We ask questions about God, and we even ask questions about ourselves. What a powerful scene when he said, part of the scene when he says, I was lieutenant. Dan Taylor was. He is so lost in what's happened to him that he doesn't even know who he is anymore. Have you ever questioned yourself, like who you are and what you're doing in this life? It might sound something like this. Why am I not married yet? Is there something wrong with me? Why isn't my teenage child walking with God? Did I fail as a parent? Why haven't I achieved more professionally? Am I not as capable as I thought I was? And when we have these questions and we go through these things in life, we might be tempted to do things that we wouldn't normally do, <clears throat> like self-destructive kinds of behavior. Lieutenant Dan, throughout the movie, he's drinking heavily, spending time and money on prostitutes, and he's just, he's just angry throughout life. He's angry at Forrest Gump for saving his life. He's angry at God more than, more than anything. And so, church, I'm going to tell you, like with all that Gabby has been going through with her depression, 
and all that comes along with it. It's hard for me to even like walk around the house sometimes. Because you've been to our house. Like we have all these pictures of the kids when they were younger. And I see her little face in those photos. And it's so full of life and happiness. And she just looks so pure. And you see this, the innocence of childhood. And I think, how did we get here? Where did I go? The questions that we are faced with, like those deep life questions about God and about us, they actually should not come as a surprise to us. Because I don't know if you caught it, but Solomon says, you're going to be rattled and you're going to have questions because you won't understand. Look at verse 11 with me, if you would. <clears throat> he has made what? Everything appropriate. Some translations read beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. So underline that word everything there. Because you might recall, we read that and underlined that word in verse 1, right? Verse 1, there is an appointed time for everything. But verse 1, he doesn't tell us who appoints it. He just says there's an appointed time. So he comes back around to that thought. Verse 11, he, who's he? God, God has made everything appropriate in its time. Remember, this follows this long list of really great, joyous things and really hard, awful things. And Solomon gives us a beautiful truth. God makes all of those things happen at a specific time in your life and in my life. So those two verses, 1 and 11, kind of serve as bookends for that, little, that poem that he writes. So the message is clear. Everything that happens in your lifetime and in my lifetime has happened exactly when God decided that it would happen. Now, that might be troubling to some of you to think that some of the worst things that have happened in your life happened when God appointed them to happen. But it shouldn't. It should actually not trouble our hearts but bring our hearts comfort because here's the truth Solomon is pointing out. God has sovereign control over your life. Keep in mind, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, and it was perfect. There was no death, no disease, no sickness, no sorrow, no pain. But once sin entered the world, the floodgates opened for all that stuff to come in. And so that's the world that we live in, the world that Solomon refers to as under heaven. But that phrase under heaven also implies something else, that there's something else going on somewhere else above heaven where God is governing all the events that happen under heaven. Which is more comforting? For God to govern everything that's happened in your life 
and appointed the time for all of it to happen. Or for something awful to happen to you and God go, oh, I am so sorry. I didn't see that one coming. Hopefully you're opting for the first. Because God has sovereign control over your life and over mine. But look at this second part of that verse. He set eternity in their hearts. In other words, we know while we live under heaven on this earth and all these bad things happen between birth and death, we know there's got to be a greater purpose. There's got to be something more than just this life here on earth. So God, how does my suffering fit into your greater plan? When God drops us to our knees, we know that there's a greater purpose in it. Because here's the deal. If he's appointed everything that happens in your life, and in mind, that means he has a plan. If he has a plan, then he has a purpose. So there is a purpose in our suffering. Solomon says in verse 11 that we will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. In other words, we won't understand. Not all of it. We're finite creatures with finite minds, only capable of understanding a very tiny bit of all that's going on in the world. But God has it all, like from beginning to end. Not even just the beginning of your life to the end of your life, from birth to death, but from the beginning of time to the end. God has it all under control. Think about it. If, if that's not the case, apart from God, we're born and we go through these experiences in life, we die and it's over. Like there's no meaning, no purpose in life, as Solomon has said, apart from God. And so Solomon concludes with this really practical uh, truth and application. Verse 12, I know that there's nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. So, <clears throat> with all the pain, all the sorrow, all the confusion, all the heartache that we experience in life, Solomon is saying this, it's a gift from God to just be able to enjoy the simple things. Like a Chick-fil-A sandwich. <laughs> a sweet tea. And work. Because think about it. With all that is going on in this broken world, not even just the pain in our own personal lives, but just the brokenness in what we see on the news, in our city, it would seem impossible to find joy in something as simple as just sitting down and having a meal. But Solomon says that it is a gift from God. So how does God give us that gift, and how do we sort of receive it? It's by keeping in mind the truth that every single thing, not just some of the things, but every single thing that happens under heaven happens at the time appointed by God. So if we could step out of the pain and misery that we might be living in at the moment, not saying you are, but you might be there, and think about, 
God's sovereignty and that he appoints everything and his greater purpose. Look at this, the birth of Jesus, Galatians 4. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Christ was not born at a random time. It was at a time appointed by God. Not just his birth, the crucifixion. John 7, 30 says this. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. But six chapters later, John 13, 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Jesus' birth happened at the time appointed by God. His crucifixion happened at the time appointed by God. And not only that, but he will return at the time appointed by God. And we'll skip the first one because that goes to the previous slide. Mark 13. But of that day or hour, no one knows. This is Jesus talking. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. Take heed. Keep on the alert. For you do not know when the appointed time will come for Christ to return Jesus came the first time at a time appointed by God he lived a life and he was crucified at a time appointed by God and he will come back at a time appointed by God because everything that happens under heaven happens at a time appointed by God even things as horrible as the crucifixion of the perfect lamb why does all of that happen what's the benefit to those who put their faith in him here it is, Revelation 20. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. Did you catch that? When Christ returns and makes all things right again, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, he will dwell among them. We will be walking face to face with the Lord. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. And there will be no longer any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. We don't always get to understand God's purpose in our lifetime for our suffering. That's where faith... Look, and there are times when we do, like we suffer through something and we see, oh wow, God, you use that to minister to so-and-so, to bring so-and-so to faith. But there are times when we may not get to see it in our lifetime. But we trust that God has a plan. And, and that passage we just read, to think that there will be a time when all the pain, all the agony, all the tears will be wiped away gives us great hope and joy in this lifetime as we look forward to that appointed time. And knowing that and trusting in God and claiming that promise is what gives us the ability to eat, to drink, and to work with joy. So, <clears throat> I don't want to leave you hanging like, what happened to Lieutenant Dan? <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to play the one final scene that sort of tells us what happened with Lieutenant Dan as he wrestled with God. Will it play? 
Would you like to see what Lieutenant Dan looks like? Yes, I would. That's him right there. And let me tell you something about Lieutenant Dan. Forrest. I never thanked you for saving my life. He never actually said so, but I think he made his peace with God. <laughs>